0: By Forever Volume two by Chapter nineteen Thought Can Only Resemble Rebecca and I had been sitting looking out over the river. We'd been waiting for the sun to set, without speaking, simply taking in the colour. We were unaware that Merrill and Penelope had joined us because Arnold Schunberg had masked their foot tread on the stairs. Rebecca was mightily enamoured of Schumberg, and I grew to feel the same. So Vic, Penelope asked, tell us about surrealism then. The interviewer hath a riven, my phraseology made Rebecca laugh. I'd forgotten we had our breakfast discussions to explore for the evening's entertainment. I've had various thoughts about this today. You don't mind, do you, Vic? Penelope inquired tentatively. Not at all. I'll blather on about this stuff for days and weeks together if you encourage me. Just let me know when it promotes ennui. Ennui is the last thing I expect, Penelope grinned. So if I could ask what I was going to ask when we all had to disappear to college... I nodded, and so Penelope launched in. It seems as if this is some sort of major driving force behind everything you do, and it's not something any one of us know that well. I think you're right that I'm fundamentally a surrealist, I mean. That's why I liked psychedelia while it lasted, or the best of it at any rate. Because it's just another bubbling up of Surrealism. Surrealism has bubbled up throughout history. How far back, do you think? To the dawn of time, I imagine, but I've only traced it back as far as Giuseppe Archimboldo. Right, was he the one who painted people made up out of pieces of fruit and vegetable? The very one, I grinned. He was quite bizarre for a 16th-century artist. He painted composites, portraits amalgamated from objects, natural and fabricated. Most of these paintings were created for Rudolf II, who employed him as his court painter. Shame there's no Rudolf now to set you up like that. I can see you as a court painter. Yes, although I can't quite see the Queen posing for a raven painting. Right, cackled Rebecca, but that would be really surreal, wouldn't it? Maybe you could superimpose her face onto one of the art school models. Intriguing idea, but, I laughed, it might be a treasonable offence. So, asked Merrill, what about surrealism other than Psychedelia and Archimboldo? Well, if I look at the creative work I most admire, I see it in the presence of dynamic incongruity. I see it in Allen Ginsberg's Hydrogen Jukebox from Howl, where he describes listening to the crack of doom on the hydrogen jukebox. Just dwell on those words, hydrogen jukebox. I mean, what is that? I have no idea what that means, but it really conveys menace. And that's where you'd hear the cracks of doom. So it doesn't really matter that Allen Ginsberg's a beat poet. His language can still be seen as surrealism. As far as I'm concerned, yes. Obviously, the surrealism of his poetry is intermittent, but it's still surreal. Like Bob Dylan, he's surreal too. I wouldn't argue with that, said Rebecca, especially Mr Tambourine Man. Uh, so what about literature? Well, I also see it in the linguistics of Mervyn Peak. In his Gormangast trilogy, he paints images of such utterly unbelievable, unbelievably believable strangeness. Yes, said Merrill, although the books are crippled by the irredeemable psychopathology of the characters. Yes, I groaned, There is that, but I tend to screen that out and read it for the imagery. I got up and pulled Titus' groan off my bookshelf. Listen to this. A carpet filled the floor with blue pasture. The deep, unhurried purring was like the voice of an ocean in the throat of a shell. She tossed her long hair and it flapped down her back like a pirate's flag. It's that kind of imagery that makes these books worth reading. Ah, I can see that, and the surrealism of it. Mervyn Peake's images remind me of Francis Bacon, i mused, They're beautiful in the purity of their ugliness. I got out my notebook. I always kept a notebook for writing down sentences or paragraphs that I knew I'd want to quote at some point. Ah, here it is. Francis Bacon's talking about how his paintings communicate. Some paint comes across directly into the nervous system, and other paint tells you the story in a long diatribe through the brain. If you can talk about it, why paint it? That last sentence sounds just like you, Vic, Rebecca announced, somewhat surprised. Is that where you got the idea? No, although I was glad to find the quote. I thought that you didn't really care that much about validating your work, queried Rebecca. You're not taking debt too much to heart on this validation thing, are you? No, but also yes, I'm not sure what to say about that. My disinterest in intellectual validation is, well, I don't like the idea of that hardening into some kind of arrogant position, so if I happen to find out that Francis Bacon has the same idea, then I can find myself innocent of the kind of hippie anti-intellectualism that I hate. Right, chuckled Merrill. you mean the people who say, it's all words, man as soon as you say anything that requires a little work or contains words that have more than two syllables. The very same. Do you have any more like that in your little book? asked Penelope. Plenty. What about this? This is what he says about composition. I want a very ordered image, but I want it to come about by chance. I know that in my own work the best things are the things that just happened. Images that were suddenly caught and that I hadn't anticipated. I believe in an ordered chaos and in the rules of chance. You can imagine how exciting it was to read this in terms of what I have been trying to achieve with the Raven paintings. That's totally clear, Vic. What does debt have to say about that? That must put her mind at rest about your paintings not being outside the remit of fine art. She's mentioned that idea, has she? I grinned in what I imagined would seem a sheepish manner. Yes, Penelope offered tentatively, but just in passing, you know. Rebecca frowned in disagreement but said nothing. Well, I think that debt tends to feel that I can't rely on the words of one artist to take the approach I've taken, that innovations have to be based on art theory and on understanding what you're doing in an art history context. I think she's right in many ways, but I don't think I want to immerse myself in too much of that kind of reading. It's not that I haven't studied art history and the art theory of different artists, but it's boring, laughed Merrill. Yes, I laughed, it can be fairly tedious, but mainly because it all seems to come out of a stew of Greco-Roman philosophy filtered through Judeo-Christian theology and 20th century political theorising. And this from the man who's intellectually wanting, laughed Merrill. Well, I smiled, it's a question of my knowledge having been acquired in a highly haphazard manner. I think debt has something of a point there, inasmuch as I tend to have a splattering of knowledge that looks more impressive than it actually is. Merrill was about to launch in, but I continued... From a Buddhist point of view, I find intellectualism ever so slightly futile. That's why I pick and choose what I read and why Francis Bacon is so refreshing. I picked up my notebook again. This is what he says about realism. I've tried to make images that would unlock the values of feeling on different levels. For me, to be as realistic as possible has meant extreme deformations. What I like about that is the way he's talking about something that really can't be communicated in words. He's talking about his paintings in poetry, and really, that's the only way I can talk about it. Makes sense to me, Vic, said Rebecca. Rebecca. I really don't see why debt has a problem with that. Anyhow, that's none of my business, really. Can I go back to Easy Rider as surrealism? You made a passing comment about that this morning. Oh yes, the two epigrammatic protagonists of Pipe Dream driving chopped hogs across America and spiralling into accelerated bizarre Somehow, the band's song, The Wait just had to be one of the songs used in that film. I burst into song. I picked up my bag, I went looking for a place to hide. Then I saw Carmen and the devil walking side by side. I said, hey Carmen, come on, let's go downtown. She said, I gotta go, but my friend can stick around. It's hard to say what's so perfect about that song in that context. It's probably just the mystery of it. There's the way Carmen and Come On are more or less homonyms in American English. That had to be deliberate. And with Carmen and the Devil, there's no direct meaning there to their being together, or why she has to go, and why her friend can stick around. You could read all kinds of things into that, offered Penelope, such as Carmen is what he wants, and of course Carmen could represent anything, but in trying to get Carmen he ends up with the devil. I think that happens in life. You want something good and end up somewhere bad because the two are inextricable. And somehow what you thought was good was just the surface of something bad. That's impressive, Penelope. I would never have thought of that. Well, Penelope replied, stretching her long, eyed legs out across the floor. That's only because you're not overly analytical or hidebound by linear thinking. Maybe, but then I always miss the obvious. Maybe the obvious is best missed when it comes to art. Perhaps, I nodded, that would fit well with Salvador Dali. I opened my notebook again. Let's see, here we are. He says, I believe that the moment is near when, by a procedure of active paranoiac thought, it will be possible to systematise confusion And contribute to the total discrediting of the world of reality. And he talks about his painting as a spontaneous method of irrational knowledge based on the critical and systematic objectification of delirious associations and interpretations. So maybe I've got two painters to validate my raven paintings. What did Depp make of that? Merrill asked. Oh, well, that Salvador Dali is not universally respected. He's apparently accused of squandering his talent on absurdity. But then there's probably no artist alive or dead who's never been accused of something or derided for something else, Merrill chided with a quick upturn of her eyes. At least this shows that there are painters out there who aren't hard line about academic theory. I suppose I should read a little deeper when it comes to surrealism but I seem to find myself learning what I need to learn from random references and from looking at the paintings themselves. I mean you can read about surrealist painting or you can simply look at the paintings and anyway I tend to move between looking at paintings and reading poetry. That quote from Darley, for example, sparks thoughts about Ted Hughes's Crow anthology, where Crow in being born is, and this time I knew the quote by heart, flogged lame with legs, shot through the head with bald brains, shot blind by eyes, nailed down by his own ribs. Have you ever seen Garden of Earthly Delights by Hieronymus Bosch? asked Penelope. I love his work. His earthly pleasures and painting of hell could have been painted by Dali. Yes, absolutely, Merrill laughed. And don't get me wrong, I'm not mocking, but Matthias Grunewald's Temptation of St Anthony reminds me of the Stones album their satanic majesty's request. Right, I exclaimed with a sense of delighted revelation. I'd never made that association, but you're both right. And you could see that in Bruegel's Tower of Babel. Yes, really, Penelope grinned. He has these crowded folk scenes where something singularly weird is always included. Rebecca, who'd been down to the kitchen to fetch a bottle of wine, asked, so who do you like most when it comes down to it? I think, although I am enthusiastic about Dali's colour, I think René Magritte's approach to questioning the nature of reality is more subtle and more part of the surrealism of everyday life. The paintings of windows, suggested Rebecca, with broken panes, which still hold fragments of images of the mountain beyond. Yes, I replied. Darley paints, in his words, systematic objectifications of delirious associations and interpretations. And whilst I like that, I find I'm more intrigued by what's just beyond the edge of everyday vision. Dali's images are from a world that maybe no one will ever see, but Magritte offers something that could be seen by almost anyone who was open to it. This took me back to my notebooks again. These three quotes present some sense of René Magritte in terms of how he saw his painting. Thought can only resemble... It resembles by being what it sees, hears or knows. It becomes what the world offers it. Now, I can relate to that directly from a Buddhist perspective, whereas Dali's vision of surrealism is a little too sensational. I never took you to be a non-sensationalist, Vic, Merrill laughed and my obvious puzzlement prompted her to continue. I mean, making that giraffe hide greatcoat would have been sensational. Yes, it would, in some respects, but it would have been in the real world. It would have existed. If I'd painted a scene in Bristol where people were wearing exotic animals, then that would have been an idea that would never come into being. But Having said that, Magritte did say, art evokes the mystery without which the world would not exist. So maybe, I laughed, that completely undermines my argument. No, said Penelope, I can see both ideas side by side. I think it's all extremely subtle and the differentiations probably can't help but evolve into each other, if you see what I mean. Absolutely, and that's why it's never that easy for me to make completely definitive statements when it comes to art. The next Magritte quote probably says it best. Everything we see hides another thing. We always want to see what is hidden by what we see. And that is what I try to bring about with the Raven paintings. The figure and the raven have to describe each other in some way and show what they are, behind what they appear to be. Right, and we've all been there, haven't we, Rebecca announced. We're all in one of those paintings and so us three must all have some sense of how we've been described by the raven and how the raven has been described by us. Yes, I confirmed with some slight hesitation. I mean, you can't ask the art school models about it, but we're all here and we can probably all tell you whether it makes sense or not, just on the basis of our own experience of seeing ourselves in the paintings. And, I asked, looking at each of them briefly, they didn't quite say it simultaneously, but they all said, yes. The effect was a little like having heard them through a phaser pedal. The drum roll on Ichikoo Park came to mind. So I sang over bridge of sighs to rest my eyes in shades of green under dreaming spires to Ichikoo Park. That's where I've been. I laughed at their expressions of bewilderment and had to explain the reference to the phaser effect on the song. You go off on the most unexpected tangents, Vic, Rebecca cackled. But now you explain it, yes, it did sound like that, as all saying yes at almost the same time. Penelope and Merrill nodded assent and we sat for a moment or two in silence. Well, I said once the idea had settled on its own, yes, and that answers an enormous question. But, Penelope added somewhat seriously, I don't think it's evidence you could present to debt. Not that you need evidence, that is. I wasn't sure how to respond to that, so I let it pass and evaded answering by reading to them again from my notebook. Magritte said, my paintings are visible images which conceal nothing. They evoke mystery. And indeed, when one sees my pictures, one asks oneself this simple question, what does that mean? It does not mean anything because mystery means nothing either. It is unknowable. I think that's always my final answer. I wouldn't entirely agree with that, though, Rebecca stated. I'd say that Magritte's work and the works of other Surrealists are unknowable to the intellect, and intellect knows almost nothing in terms of experience. Art in general is knowable through the senses and through intuitive interpretation of the senses. Intuitive interpenetration of the senses. That's true, I conceded. What can I say? Thrown like a star in my vast sleep, I oped my eyes to take a peep, to find that I was by the sea, gazing with tranquillity. T'was then when the hurdy-gurdy man... They all collapsed in hysterics at my suddenly launching into Donovan's hurdy-gurdy man. You're nothing if not the master of creative non-secateurs in song. Well, yes, my idea of surrealism is that a surrealist should live life like a surrealist. I mean, without becoming some kind of irritating idiot who just lives to weird people out. So, if you can fasten on that moment and expand through the afterglow, You can reverse your mind in time and travel back to when The earth was formed, the sky was born and the universe began Once the laughter had died down again, Penelope ventured I suppose it could have been a matter of development for the surrealist rock song, Acid Rock But it never developed, it just died or the bands died Yes, I sighed, it was dependent on artificially altered states and that had no future from the outset. Rebecca stood up, stretched and began one of her dance exercises, maybe to assist her train of thought. It should have been possible to have taken the meteo forward according to its apparent principles all of which are obvious and evident. Absolutely, I cheered. All that's lacking is the flair for that mode of expression, and that can arise out of the restructuring which naturally occurs as a result of silencing the conceptual chatter that gets in the way of the senses. I was never inclined to listen to the grass growing, chuckled Merrill. But somehow, I'm happy that some people felt it possible. See the people all in line, I'm thinking they look at me. Can't imagine that their minds are thinking the same as me. I can hear the grass grow, I can hear the grass grow. I see rainbows in the evening, Merrill sang. See, you've got me at it now. Songs like that were the background of my formative years too, Penelope commented, and whether they're profound or trivial is less important to me than their effect on the gestalt of the time. Exactly, exclaimed Rebecca. I think they acted as a reminder that there was more to existence than met the heavily blinkered eye of semi-comatose suburbia. And that's why, I chimed in, my interest has always revolved around the fact that there is a language of creativity which plays with incongruity, inconsistency, contradiction, improbability, irrationality and illogicality. Also strangeness, preposterousness, ludicrousness, eccentricity, idiosyncrasy, bizarreness and just plain weirdness. Without these possibilities, life would turn into a factory production line stretching from birth to death. And so to bed, after an entire day of conversation and dining in the most pleasant company I knew. I could have lived the rest of my life this way, were it not for the fact that I was going back to the Himalayas. Debt had been mentioned a few times, but only in comments to the effect that I need not take her academic artist appraisals seriously. That felt not as awkward as it should have been, and that felt, how did that feel? I felt supported and validated by friends who liked and respected me, just as I liked and respected them. That's who friends were, people who liked and respected each other. What debt liked about me was anyone's guess. What she respected was what? Nothing I could determine. I wished I could find a kind and gentle way to conclude the relationship. Every approach I considered seemed surreal, but not in any way that could be considered as art. I was determined, as a Nakpa, to be a kindly, gentle artist, if at all possible. It occurred to me that the best outcome would be for Dette to bid me adieu of her own volition and give me the opportunity to be entirely gentlemanly in my acceptance of her decision. That, of course, was cowardly, or could have been cowardly, if my motive had not been kindly. I was not afraid of facing debt, but she had been rejected once before and the effect had been catastrophic. It never occurred to me that the fellow who rejected her might have been a far more terrible loss than I could ever be. Sometimes there are simply no good choices.